I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome, my guest, Julianne Bosch. Julian is a mother, wife, author, coach, and a well-traveled expat. When she turned 50 and saw her children had grown up, Julian realized that she needed to do something different and exciting to give herself a new purpose. How many of you are finding yourself in the same situation? Our children are adults now and they need us less. And now we have to find a new purpose. And what are we going to do with our life? Some of you may be content with your jobs and are just going to continue doing the regular routine. Some of you are buying a bigger house. Some of you are moving to a different place. Some of you are traveling and going on adventures. Some of you are changing, are divorcing. But whatever happens, it is our time again to live our life and to find a different purpose. Yes, we're parents, but we're also individuals that need to have our own life for the good of our kids, the community, and the humanity. So here is the story of Julian and how she found a new purpose and what adventures she's involved now. Let's enjoy her story. Welcome, Julian, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk to you. Yes, yes. I'm very excited, too, that you're here. And thank you again for reaching out. Julian, tell me, why do you want to share a story? I want to share my story because I had a milestone birthday. From that, I reflected quite a bit on the power of giving your story or your storytelling as you do in your podcast. So I wrote a book called How a Mother Took Her First Step on the Moon. And it's to help new mothers to be more intentional. I want to tell my story because I have many pieces of advice and I'm not telling you this is the proper way to do it. I'm telling you this is what I did. Take it, craft it, refabricate it for you as a mother and put it into your own story to assist your children as they're growing in this new world that they have all of these chaotic situations coming at them. Sounds really interesting. You just had a milestone birthday. So is that when your story starts? I would say my story was going along. I've been married for 27 years. I lived on four continents and we moved 13 times. So my story has continually been going, but I think my 50th birthday was a time of reflection. Like I've lived half of a hundred. The other part of the 50 years was when I wanted to recreate a new story. My children have gone off. I have three adult children. They've gone off. Um, I started a different career as a coach. My clientele is global. This story is very important too. I think as women, sometimes we stop learning, we stop being curious. And it really pushed me out of my comfort zone to provide value for myself for the next 50 years. I feel like exactly 50 is when it happens to most people that we start saying, what else is there? I want to do more. There is more. And then you get super excited thinking life has so much to bring. So I think it happens usually at the milestone of half of your lifetime. 
Well, I think I came in pretty dusty because after that 13th move, I will admit I was tired. I was like, wow, 13 was kind of that, you know, that unlucky 13, I think. So for me, I kind of got in a stalemate. And I had a cousin that was diagnosed in January with anaplastic thyroid cancer. And I was complaining about turning 50. And she said, my only goal is to make it to my next birthday. And after that, my next goal will be to make it to the birthday after that. And it humbled me a little bit to rethink how I presented myself and how I showed up in the world as not tired, but as energetic. So I guess when I say that is when I start my story, it's it's with a different purpose because I felt exhausted by raising the, the first section of my life. I thought, oh, that was it kind of. And I was very content. But then I realized with contentment, you need to also give back. And that's where all of this kind of came. And I met you. So (laughs) to tell that story. You were 26 years of marriage. You have three kids. You travel the world because your husband's business and, and you were content. I was very content due to the pandemic. It made me slow down quite a bit. And I lost my mother-in-law. And so it made me very reflective on what was important. It was more the people. It wasn't the craziness of the travel and what I was seeing and how I was doing it, but it was about the moments and what was important. Because when it came down to it, it was just those people that mattered in my heart. And so I, I really slowed down. And I think that was the first time in my life that I slowed down completely. It wasn't that I wasn't learning or curious, but it was because I had stopped getting curious outside my box. If that makes sense is I wasn't learning about what was important to my kids era of history or my nieces and nephews who were even younger's point of reference. And so that's when I got curious about what they were going through and tried to open and read more about kind of movements and what they're facing more. I mean, when we talk about bullying, we had a kid in school that was bullying us, whereas now it comes over social media through uh, different sources that connect us. So I think I just had to reshape where I was coming from as a mother. Hmm, interesting. I think I would like you to develop that more. Okay. And also the the part of slowing down. So you were doing doing things you know, with all those moves and all of that trajectory, I was always the problem solver. I would go in and it was like, I had to meet people. I had to set up home. I had to set up schools. I had to kind of recreate our family social network. I was always in action, in movement. And then the pandemic happened and it was like, slow down, stop. You can't do anything. And so then I didn't know what my purpose was at that point, then losing a a mother figure who impacted me so much, she was gone. But yet all of her teachings were still in me. And I said, what a shame if I don't kind of put out into the world what I know, and what she's taught me and what my own mother has taught me and what my parents have kind of cemented in me. We in history, I feel like we pass down generations of stories, yet as mothers, we don't share the facts. Like there's all these unknown things that happen to you as a mother. And we stop, we stop sharing that story, the the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I, I stressing the ugly part of it because sometimes we get caught up and we get into the hamster wheel of life and you're doing, doing, doing. And then when something like that, where you stop and you have a lot of time to reflect and a lot of time to sit and have Zoom conversations with people on face-to-face without any purpose, because the world had also stopped, which is such a crazy phenomenon 
that it really did a lot of internal work at that time for me. Talking about your mother-in-law and your mother, they were role models for you? Because usually I hear that, oh, people get older and then they're annoying or they have their ways or they have their belief that they don't want to move from there. So your mother-in-law and your mother were different? Yeah, I, I, I think both of them had certain qualities that I want to say a 50-50 that became me. Like my mother-in-law left a country she knew, two countries. She was uh, you know, born in Spain, but lived in Mexico and then married a man and moved to the United States. So I also had adopted that kind of lifestyle with me as 50% of me. And then the other side of it is my mother who was a working mom. She was a nurse. Then my father had a horrible accident and she became his nurse for 10 years and cared for him. And I looked at both of these women and how their strength was poured into me. And I needed to provide that for my own children and set the example that they did for me. Because I feel like as women, we just, we get lost in all the things that we're supposed to do, yet we don't sometimes just portray the basics. And that's where this book came from. It was going back to the basics and helping mothers with the basics of show compassion, write a letter. <laughs> you know, get to know your neighbors. And so it wasn't anything stoic when I wrote the book, but it was allowing new mothers to read my stories to uh, understand that I made mistakes and document for themselves what's important to them. What is integrity? Did you ever talk about that with your own mother? No, I didn't. <laughs> but she definitely, both of those women both showed me a source of integrity that kind of was instilled in me. So I'm asking young mothers to kind of really put their feet in the ground and understand what they want to put out into the world as far as certain powerful questions. To their kids or to themselves? Yeah, to their kids and sometimes even the, their friends. I, I have a lot of friends of my children now that talk to me regularly because I allow for an open conversation. My mother did that when I was young. I'll give an example. When sex was a big thing as a teenager, I remember coming home from school and one of my friends was sitting at the table because my mom was a nurse <laughs> and giving my friend the basics about information that needed to be. We didn't have the internet at that time. Well, now our kids have all of this source of information and it's processing that information, how it pertains to them. And I think as parents right now, we have to be kind of that safe space at home that they can have hard conversations and discussions with our kids and communicate with our kids, even when they're uncomfortable. And that's what both of these women also allowed for me as I was growing older without the, the influences of social media and the press and fake news and, and all of that. So I'm quite grateful to them. And I want to offer that to new mothers as well and my own children. I hope I set an example to them. Yes, I have two aunts in Madrid and I have a friend here. They are over 60 years old and uh, 70s and 80s. And they are amazing people. They are women that you can talk about any subject. So even though they have their belief, they don't impose them to anyone. They are more of a listeners. One of my aunts says, no soy contradictoria, son complementaria. So I am not contradictory. I am more complementary. Did I translate that properly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did perfect. <laughs> 
And she likes to complement their relationship rather than contradict and cause an, an issue. That was a message for me. Like, it's true. We, we, yes, we have our belief, but life changes the same as we changes. And so when people said, oh, you, if you go to that city, it's nothing like you remember. Of course, but neither am I, right? We have also evolved. So I think we have to keep going with that. Yeah. As you said that, it's really funny because in all those moves, I do have an older lady as well that made an impact on me in that country we're living with. And in Ireland, I was at my local gym and I heard a lady speaking Japanese. And because I had lived in Japan, I reached over to her and I said, oh, are you from Japan? You know, she was maybe 30 years older than me, became one of my greatest friends in that country. We would go for tea and talk about things. And she gave me the storytelling of what was happening with her children. And it gave me insights into kind of adult kids when I, my kids were in the middle range. And, it, and as you said, that, that compliment to your life, it only expanded me. And today, she's still somebody I reach out to that anchors me when I feel lost. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel that that's a goal like, because, you know, when you get old, the people said that you are invisible. I feel it's important not to be because what is the point of being here if we have another 50 years to go or more, who knows? And then people don't want to be with us or oh, that old lady who doesn't know anything. You know, I don't want that to be my case. So I, I take nuggets from all these ladies that are around me and I you keep meeting wonderful people, either you, your age or people that are older that they give you that, oh my God, yes, this is possible. Yeah. Well, and that possibility is something that um, sparks that continual learning and that continual curiosity as I'm aging, you know, we just did a full circle there in, in this whole conversation of, I didn't stop learning personally, but I was on the, the hamster wheel not to take it in, not to soak it up. And now I think these next 50 years, I want to marinate in it a lot more and say, mm, <laughs> I want to be that compliment. I want to be that advice giver that doesn't shove it down someone's throat, but I want to assist in how do I make it possible for another woman to succeed without all the judgment, because that's enough out there. That's enough that's happening. And, you know, I say that for women, but I also say it for our sons. If we can provide assistance to men so that they are more understanding of sometimes a woman's role and what we're doing and we're trying to juggle work and life and children and putting a meal on the table, it makes sense for us to have a, a different compassion. I know growing up, my mother laid out my father's clothes before he went to work. I never done that for my husband, but there had to be some, some reason, some compassion that she had for him. Maybe he was colorblind. I have no idea, you know, but I look at some of those moments of reflection of what my mother did or what my mother-in-law did. And I said, okay, I'm tweaking that a little bit. But yet at the same time, I want to provide the value that these women have done. And so that's kind of my story, my new story of where I'm jumping in. And I, it's fearful. And that's why I wrote the book was uh, every time you take a first step of something new, it's fearful. And I equated it to the Neil Armstrong when he stepped out on the moon. He had to have had a million thoughts going through his head of what if, what if this goes wrong? What if I don't succeed? What if I <laughs> am off into the universe and I'm never to be seen or heard of again? That could also happen. I'm finding with these relationships, it's much more fruitful. It's much more 
centering and gratifying to meet people like yourself, to meet people that are not in my circles of influence right now as I get older, because I'm getting different perspectives. And it's really humbling to know that you don't, you thought you knew it all, but you don't. <laughs> and uh, I think that's, that's a really great place to be in because I feel like I'm in kindergarten again, and I'm learning new things and new ways of looking at it. I went to Istanbul, and my assumptions of what Turkey was was completely blown out of the water, yet the beauty that was put forth to me was just so humbling. Whereas I think before I was part of a tour and I was just like, how much can I see? How much can I do? Whereas I just, one day we took the day and just walked the sunset of the the streets and listened to the sounds and the music and the chants. And, and that was kind of a beautiful moment to realize that it's not to be on this earth to kind of take, take, take. Sometimes it's to give back. And, you know, my trip there gave back of just looking at the beauty of a different religion, a different culture, different food. And um, so that was my first trip that I've done since all of this new exploration in the last two years. Yes. Louise Hay, I don't know if you heard of her. She said that 50 is yes. the infancy of a new life. We are just in the infancy of a new period of our life where we have already said that 20 years was a fun time. The 30 years we were nurturing. The 40s we were still kind of nurturing, but kind of waking up a little bit about ourselves. Yeah. And I, I've really thought about this and it's now it's that legacy piece. It's, you know, you, you've lived, you've loved, <laughs> and now it's the legacy part. It's that third L of the equation of, you know, what, what do we want to be remembered for? And I don't want to be the one that forces my opinions on people. I want to compliment, as you said, which I, I think that's such a beautiful way. But also I want to soak in a little bit more of the value. When I travel now, it will have a different purpose. Before it was to get all the facts and to see all the major sites. And even that was a revelation to me. Now it was like, well, if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't. But I sat here and I had a beautiful conversation with an individual who told me his thought process on the history of Turkey. And that was like three hours of my tour. And he's like, oh my gosh, I feel awful that I didn't show you this, this, and this. And I was like, oh no, this was the beauty of sitting here talking to you. And I think um, that's where you also are starting over in your infancy at the 50 again, is you appreciate the people of what they're telling you, that they're letting you in as well. <laughs> that I'm privileged that people let me in and they want to have conversations with me about topics that I know nothing about. Yes. For, for me, I always like to listen to stories. To me, I always have been, let's yeah, go and talk yeah. to that person. Let's go and see what they have to say. Well, and I think that it's having that enthusiasm for life. Yes. Let's talk, Julian, about your book then. How was the process? How long it took you? Well, I, I mentioned to you, my cousin was quite factor in that. Basically, she told us the information in January, and I knew my birthday was coming in April. I jumped in two feet without really knowing how to produce a book. In two months, I took all my scratch notes of all my memories. I put them into this short 160-page story of chapters. I will say it was like a lethargic process is to, to put what was important to my kids. Like if something was to happen to me that I know that there is something that was put into the Library of Congress and it's permanent, that these were my words of what was happening to me. If you ask my three children, they may think of those stories a little bit differently. 
but that's the beauty of it. It's how the story is told from generation to generation or legacy. And then it kind of spurs on women to think about what's important to them from that little piece. And, and it was high points as being a mother and low points of being a mother. And I think that that book came very quickly because it was an easy topic to discuss for me. It was my motherhood. So I don't want mothers to say, you have to do it this way. It's an idea. It's a framework so that mothers can start filling in an outline for themselves if they're new to the job. Because I think it's overwhelming. It's how do I put these beautiful children into the world and make them successful and happy and fulfilled with what they're they're choosing. And so that's where the book came from very quickly. Two months, I wrote it. And without my kids knowing, I sent it to them on my 50th birthday as a gift instead of receiving a gift. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. And I'm glad that you had all those notes. I don't think I will have those notes. Well, I what I did was I kept writing scratch notes of when something wonderful happened and it was funny because um, I have a horrible memory and I wanted to really remember those moments over the 24 years of my children's life. So it was very quick to put the book together. I'm working on a second book of advice of other women all over the world. And I will tell you that one's going to take a little longer. I'm hoping that it comes out for Thanksgiving as a gift next year. So <laughs> 2023, but that process, I'm giving myself some time because I'm now telling the story or the legacy of my beautiful friends all over the world. And I have, I want to say 16 or 17 stories of their advice for mothers to get a global perspective. It's not just my perspective. It's been satisfying to interview them kind of like you and I are doing and hear their story. And so I hope next Thanksgiving that I can put that book out into the world. It's called How She Took Her First Step on the Moon. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see that coming up. Yeah. And it's instead of getting gifts now, it's about giving gifts of, you know, I don't have all the wealth. I don't have millions, but I can give you what I know. And I hope that you will cherish it and use it to do something better than what I did. My dad always said, leave it better than you found it as my legacy. That's kind of how I want to do it. And prior planning uh, <laughs> prevents the pish poor performance. And I think if a, if a person is given those pieces of advice and given that story or framework, they're able to put together theirs much easier. How often do you listen to something and you're like, hey, that's a great idea. If I think about it and how I adapt that recipe or that special moment or magical moment or idea and I put it into my family, you don't do it cut and paste. You adapt it because your family has Venezuela in it. Your family has Canadian in it. My family does not have a Venezuelan background or a Canadian heritage. But those two pieces together are really important. But the idea of maybe a meal or a celebration or something, whatever is important to you is easier to put it together when somebody's kind of given you a little bit of a framework and you say, oh, I'm going to take that and I'm going to adapt it so that I make it really important for my own family or my own impact on my on my friends. Yes. And that's what I hope that book does. It's true. And, and you, for me, it was uh, adapting celebrations. My dad always, I don't know why, he woke me up every birthday singing Las Mañanitas, which is a Mexican song for for birthday. Nobody else did it in Venezuela. It was just uh -huh. my father who grew up in Spain. It was German, so I don't know. I brought that here for the kids, and they were always waiting to be woken up on their birthday for that. So that was kind of funny. So I, I feel like, yes, you adapt 
according and you take from everywhere. That's why I love learning from different cultures and learning from different people, because as you said, you have to adapt it. What is good and will work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my next 50 years is that's, that's my goal is how do I help the next generation? How do I help them become better leaders? How do I help them understand what their conflict And I think as parents and as mothers, especially, we are given a really important role. Sometimes we get lost. So if you have another mother, like we have influential women for me in Ireland, that was Japanese or in, in Japan, I had a lady that was older than me and, and cooked and she showed me how to do a bento box. And I remember that as being like amazing for her to come over and just show me how to compartmentalize and, and make it special. Well, I kept doing that to prepare lunches for my kids. It was not as beautiful as hers because she just had a flair of the way she did it, but it stuck with me. And I hope that's what that we can provide to the next generation is just those little pieces that stick to you that are important. The Las Mañanitas, how gorgeous of a way to wake up on your birthday. I used to take uh, photographs of their whole life and post them all over the house <laughs> on their birthday because I thought, oh, I don't want you to forget these beautiful moments. And now my kids kind of reenact that wherever they are. They take snapshots of themselves of their life and put it and celebrate how far you've come. Yeah, that's true. And a woman who read my book, she said, I'm not a grandmother yet, but I'm older. And she was in her late 80s. And she said, my daughter just got married. I don't know if I'm going to be around here or not, but your book sparked my memories. And so she created an email account for her unborn grandchild. And she writes to her grandchildren every day. And in her will, she put the password to that email account and said little tidbits of things that happened. So she got in a little car accident. So she's like, today I got in a car accident and this is what happened to me. This is what I want you to know that is important if you ever get in an accident. Well, I've adopted that. And when I have grandkids, I'm going to start an email account for them just because I think it's a beautiful way to have a time capsule of advice from somebody that already loved you before you were even born. Recently, I just came across something in parents' papers of my grandmother. She was a teenager and she was traveling from Ohio to Florida. Her family was moving and it was the journey, who they met along the way. And she documented that. And I could not soak up enough of what she wrote and what was going through her mind at that time. And so I guess that's what's inspired me to say, it may not be something that they're interested in my emails right now, but I guarantee there will be a time when you realize that woman who I knew growing up as just the lady that made amazing chocolate cake did all of that when she was, you know, 17 and she was traveling from Ohio to Florida, what that trip was like. It meant a lot to me. So I hope that, you know, we can kind of create the legacy and the storytelling for that next generation so they can learn from it. She went from states to state while well, I've been around the world. And some of the things she experienced is the same exact stuff that I encountered on her trip as my trips. You're very fortunate. That's why I wanted to start the podcast because I wanted people to share the story to preserve them so that you were lucky to read that about your grandmother so you can see oh my god I, I have the same personality maybe in some ways like my grandma is not just looking at a picture and saying I had her nose or her eyes personality right that who they were that's wonderful that you found that 
Well, I, I think it hit me, you know, my, my mother is Irish and she came over to visit us when we were living in Dublin. They created this beautiful new museum where you can go and you can look at all the records of her past. It really hit me an impact that my mother saw her great, great, great grandfather's signature of his confirmation where they had to sign a document with the church. Just a signature was like made her kind of tear up, like to to see how he wrote. I don't know how you're going to affect the people after you, but I really hope that these little time capsules of your notes can spark uh, an understanding that your lineage or your bloodline also has an effect. It has a, your choices and your decisions affect your great grandkids down the road. They left with so much money and left Ireland and came to the United States. Well, he's the one that started my mom to be a United States citizen, you know, and and she was so humbled just to see a signature. So I think to myself, what will my book be for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road if my grandkids or great grandkids read it and say, oh, that's what my mother's mother or my grandmother's was going through when she was a mother. I think that's also something very special and unique because we are celebrating women, but we don't celebrate their stories and tell them. And that's where you and I kind of met is just, we appreciate the story. It's a lost art a little bit. And so I'm hoping we're igniting the fire to to document people. Yes. Do you feel like everybody wants to leave a legacy? What about all your friends? Do they think the same way as you? You know, interestingly enough, I reached out to many of my expat friends for book two. There are some that jump in and want to tell you their story and tell you about their own mothers and their own past and their own children. Surprisingly, I got some mothers that just, it wasn't the time. And I I think that's where you have to ask to meet people where they're at and have that compassion. If it's meant to be told, their story is meant to be told. But I'm going to shout from the the mountaintops, the amazing ladies that did give me the privilege of telling their story, because that in itself, these people left a mark on me as mothers leave a mark on their children. They were a part of my life over the 27 years all over the world. When you don't have family, like you and I do, and you move to a foreign country, those people became your family. You trust them with your kids. You trust them with information about you. I mean, I remember creating all my documents and giving it to one lady so that if something happened to me, she had my passport, she had all of my private documents. And I said, please, you know, only open that if there was an emergency. Well, there was a trust there, which, you know, I don't know if we have that sincere, intense trust all the time in your life. Yet I did. And I think that's why it's taking longer to write the second book is because I want to honor them as they've honored me with their friendship. But have you come across women that they are not evolving? Definitely. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, I would also say in the book one, I reached out to some of the people that are in those stories and they didn't want their story to be told or they didn't want to be known as that in my story. And I had to honor that. And I will say, you know, it, it hurts your heart because I'm like, you're such an amazing person. And you did, you did leave something of impact on me but they didn't see it that way. If you have compassion for your counterpart, maybe they're going through something that you don't even have a clue about. And that's where I looked at it. I don't know their story. I don't walk in their shoes right now. And so I just have to have the compassion that it's not the time for them. Maybe they want to do it or celebrate it differently. And I think that's 
what my kids have told me too is, mom, become more educated on that topic, read more about something. And my kids are now giving me literature to read about. And I find that fascinating. I have to have a compassion where people are at right now, which I I was not taught that. I don't know if you were, but no, you know, I think this generation has more thought process in that. Yes, that's true. That's true. I I always thought that the kids came to this world to teach me too. So it was never, I'm going to tell them everything I know. I found it like we're a team. There is so much to learn from everyone. There is not just from, because you're older, you're wiser. Actually, I don't believe that you you do have to become wiser, but you not automatically are wiser because you're older. And I think maybe for me, for that slowdown period, you were open to that. I remember sitting and having three hour conversations with my son about, you know, topics that I just, I never had those conversations with my parents. I invite the communication right now. And I think that that is a lovely thing that your kids now can teach you and you can teach your kids and nobody's right. Nobody's, you know, this isn't the way it is answered. And I I believe I kind of grew up that way that this is just the way we think. You don't challenge it. You don't go against the grain with that. And now with the compassion and a delicacy, we're allowed to have conversations. And I think that's a really extraordinary thing, how you're talking about something. I think we're going to have a lot more open conversations to knowledge share, which is something that it just wasn't my generation. And you know what is interesting that I grew up uh, with a very strong family opinions. My grandfather, my father, they all knew everything about everything. I never really had a strong opinion about anything because somehow if I hear your point and I hear the other point, I could see both sides. So I was always in the fence and I always thought because I was on the fence and I didn't have a strong opinion that I wasn't smart enough. Until recently, I will say that I realized, oh, no, it's not bad to be able to see both sides of the coin and not maybe go into one specific belief. You know, there are some things that I definitely have strong belief, but most of others that I I just see both of their points. Kudos to you that now you think, oh, yeah, it is a superpower that it isn't because I'm lacking in intelligence. It's just I want to understand both sides of the coin to provide content and have a discussion. And even when I'm sitting there in those moments, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. And everything is readily at their fingertips, as is ours right now. So shame on you if you don't look at both sides of a coin and you just assume something. And I think it was harder for our parents. It was like, well, this is what I was told. And and they had strict, <laughs> strict ways of looking at things. Whereas now I would say I was a more I don't know, liberal, conservative parent, because I was conservative on the way I thought of things. And then lately, I'm just like, now let me think about that other side of it. And it's because of world travel, you you realize politics are different on the other end of the earth, you realize what the world is seeing is different, you see perspectives that have nothing to do with what your beliefs or religious background is. And I think that is also something to be said where our world was unattainable. It was global at that point. Our globe is becoming smaller and smaller. Yes. And Julian, you're going to continue traveling or you're now settled in one spot? Absolutely going to continue traveling because it's in my DNA. And right now, my husband, we live between Florida and California. So we even go coast to coast. It's just part of, you know, the nature of 
our occupation. Something that's been on my list and has been postponed and postponed is Machu Picchu. So this is Christmas, we're going to Peru. So yes, there are corners of the earth that I still have not seen. And when you stop and you pause and you take those trips, you always come back and are humbled. So like right now, I, I giggle a little, you and I were talking, I just came back from Europe and I'm like, oh, the power of air conditioning. I am so grateful for air conditioning, you know, just a humble thing like that, that we take for granted all the time. I go away and I don't need all the knickknacks and the purchases that I did before. I need to just be and be present in them. I don't need to see every city and do the 900 things in one country at a time. Sometimes now I'm just a little bit more appeased to do one city and be there for a week. My husband and I even talked about retirement, that we would go and live in a city for a month at a time. <laughs> and I said, that sounds like a wonderful plan for me because my husband loves to cook. And he said, wouldn't it be great to learn sauces all over the world? Like that's our main motivation is just to learn different sauces from around the world and like spend a month learning a sauce or two or three from that region because they're all different all over the world. <laughs> And I yeah. said, sign me up. I'm ready. So I don't think I'll ever stop traveling. I'm just adapting it differently. Now we travel with just hand luggage and I, I bring less. I stay in one location longer just to really get to know people and food and cultures. You have two homes in, in California and in Florida. All your things are in those homes. So if you can travel with one small luggage, you still know that you have more clothes somewhere else, or you are just completely a minimalistic. Right now, I'm more and more and more, I'm becoming more minimal, more minimal, more minimal, because I realize it's not about the things I have anymore. It's about the moments with the people. When you lose somebody very quickly, for example, my mother-in-law, I wish I could have had more time with her. So I think that is the knowledge I've gotten <laughs> with my 50th year is I want more precious moments with the people I care about or with people because that's all that really matters at the end of the day for me. For other people, it may be something else. But I remember when we used to travel, it was like all the little things that I needed to buy when I was there. Now I don't really buy anything. Maybe I buy a pair of earrings because I love earrings or <laughs> a piece of jewelry that is, you know, local to wherever I am. But I, I don't tend to buy all the knickknack things anymore. Yeah, no, I, I wonder because, well, I haven't traveled as much as you, but it's hard to give up everything and travel with one hand luggage. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> well, I just, uh, I think I would always have a home base. Let's put it that way. But okay, I, if base. I travel, it will only be with hand luggage because I found it's so much easier not to have to worry about keeping up with all of those things. I'm becoming less and less worried about, you know, having seven outfits or nine outfits. <laughs> you know, I, I'm now learning that the mix and match is really important. And as long as I have, you know, certain basic things to make sure I'm warm or cool and a bathing suit and pajamas, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. So you are going to write the second book. And you got your first book that is called How a Mother Took Her First Step on the Moon. And it's a keepsake journal of advice to my children. Exactly. And then we are going to have that on the show notes for people to see it and find it, the link as well. Anything else that you're planning to do with your life besides going to Machu Picchu, living in one city, in one city at a time, learning sauces? <laughs> <laughs> um, right now, I'm a, I'm a professional coach. And so I am really enjoying 
my profession right now because I have clients all over the world like you with this podcast. It's beautiful to meet and help people wherever stage they are in fulfillment. So I'm going to continue my occupation and I tried and tested it. I coached in Turkey. I coached in Liechtenstein this last two weeks. So wherever I am in the world, Zoom is possible. And I still have my clients, which is fabulous. What do you help them with? Most of my clients are looking for further fulfillment. Each person comes to me with a different topic or goal that they're trying to achieve. And so we work through assessments and some of the tried and true coactive method model that I use for them for coaching. Wonderful. All right, Julian, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed it today's episode. I am Daniela and you were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This will allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto.